to someone beside you, just give them a high five and say, you're looking good today. You're looking good today. Looking good today. Sorry about LSU this week, but you're looking good today. Come on, come on. It's great to see every one of you, and we're so glad that you chose to be with us today. We realize there are many choices and great choices of great churches here in town. But Kelly and I and our lead team, we're just so excited and honored that you chose to be with us. We think you made a good choice. We think you made the best choice. We're just saying that. You know, we may be biased, but we think you made the best choice. And we're just delighted that you're here. And we're really excited about you being here for this reason, because of the series that we're dealing with right now. We're talking about hashtag denial. We're talking about the fact that so many of us each and every day are carrying issues around that don't belong with us. But what do we do? Hashtag denial. We deny that they're there. We don't want to admit that. It's tough to admit your own faults. Come on, look at your neighbor. You've got plenty you could start talking about. Come on now. You could start talking and saying a lot of things about them. But when it comes to your own life, come on, hashtag denial. Well, no, that's not true. No, what are you talking about? You don't know. We get defensive of that because why? It's easy to point out other people's faults and failures. But when it comes to the issues that we're dealing with, come on, we're a closed shop. We don't want to be open to that. And we justify our lives. And justification, we're going to discover later in this message, is not a good way to live. Because if we are justifying our actions, really, we are still admitting we have a problem. Because I'm trying to make myself look better because what? At least I'm better than they are. But still, I'm admitting that I have a problem. And I have an issue. And we just want everyone through this course just to really get to that place and take ownership of the struggles of your life and realize, come on, it doesn't belong. It does not belong. It's not me or it's me. It's not you. Don't point the blame and pass the blame, but deal with that. Because no one can make you do anything. Come on, no one, well, they made me. Come on, Rob talked about it on Wednesday night. If you missed the message, you missed a phenomenal message. He said, you can't talk about they made me depressed. You can't talk about that they did this to me. In fact, I quoted that to my wife today, or yesterday. She said something, well, I said, they didn't make you do that. You chose to do that. Come on, Rob, you got me in trouble, but I had to speak the truth. Come on now. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't make you. You chose to, t- and you've got to realize that people can't make you do anything. They can suggest, and what can they do? They can what? Give the invitation, 
But you are the one that chooses to accept that. So what is our theme scripture that we've been in through this course and through this series? It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 7. And here's a great scripture for you to memorize and learn. It says, for God has not given us. I love that. God's not given us a spirit of fear. One translation says timidity. We're going to be talking about insecurities today. So we could say God has not given us insecurities, timidity in our life, but he has given us power. He has given us love and he has given us a sound mind. In other words, he's given us the tools that we need to live the life that we need to live. And instead of choosing all the things that he hasn't given us that will rob us from life, God says, would you live in my power? Would you live in my love? And would you allow those to give you a disciplined way of thinking, a disciplined way of living that you can live in victory? Turn to someone beside you and say, hi, I'm insecure. Come on, turn to someone else and say, hi, I'm still insecure. For some of you, maybe you didn't turn to that person beside you because you're too insecure to do it. For some of you, you're just downright rebellious and we're just praying that God's going to take your heart right there. But you may say, hold on a second, Pastor Philip. I mean, that's not much of a positive confession. I mean, you couldn't say, well, I'm insecure, but I'm... Listen, here's what I've discovered in life. Are you ready? You've got to first admit there's a problem so you can realize you need the answer. Tonight or today, we're not speaking negatively, we're speaking positively because we are insecure and we have some issues. And we're identifying that for what reason? So God can give the healing and the breakthroughs that we need in our lives because we all deal with insecurities in some shape or form. We all deal with them. A few years ago, I preached a message on insecurities called the invisible prison. Isn't that a great description of what insecurities are? Because physically, a prison has bars and you know your limitations. But insecurity is an invisible prison that still has you bound and in limitations. But so many times we don't see the bars. We don't see the walls. We don't see the limitations. And yet we live within those, not realizing how much more God has for each one of our lives. You see, as children of God, those who love God, those who serve God, our lives were not meant to be conditioned according to external factors. My life is not supposed to be controlled by what happens around me. Can I control what happens around me? No. But my life is not, as a child of God, to be controlled. We have so many things that happen around us all the time. You know, my favorite soccer team today lost today. That can be something I don't have control over. But you know what? I can allow it to get inside of me. Come on. Where I do have control. And I can allow that to affect me. The external cannot affect me unless I open the door or open the window and let it in. So out there I can't control, but in here I can. And it's time that we take back control of what we can control and then we just have to trust God with the rest. And he's going to do a good job at that. But so many Christians today are controlled by whether their job is going well, whether they're feeling well, whether their kids are acting well at school. And it's all good things to have going well around you. But life doesn't always fall into plan. But in the midst of life, we can still be a part of his plan. 
And we can guard our hearts and we can allow our hearts not to suffer the consequence of those factors that are around us. One of the wisest men that ever lived, Solomon, said it this way. I think if you're going to understand things, go for someone who knows what they're talking about. And Solomon said these words. He said it in Proverbs 4, verse 23. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, from your heart, springs the issue of life. New Living Translation says it this way. Above all else... Or before anything else, guard your heart. Come on, watch what you allow inside of you. Why? Because it will affect everything that you do. It determines the course. It determines the pathway of your life. To allow those insecurities in means that you will allow something other than God to control your life. So many people are controlled by insecurities and they don't even realize they have them and they label them every other which way but for what they really are because they try to make them sound okay. They try to make them sound acceptable. They try to justify them to others. But we've got to be reminded today, God has not given us those things no matter what we choose to name them. If they're not love, if they're not power, if they're not soundness of mind, God has not given them to us, so therefore they don't belong inside of you. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So he becomes. Come on. So he is. You've got to guard your heart because insecurities, fear, worry, hashtag denial, those issues, those struggles, they want to infiltrate and destroy anything else that comes. You see, if I feed on the wrong negative things inside of my heart, it's going to create a negative life. If I feed on God's word and God's truth, it creates a powerful, God-centered, controlled life. Look at this statement. Your life is not the sum total of the circumstances that are around you. Maybe it is today, but it shouldn't be. Your life is not the sum total of the circumstances around you, but... It is what you allow to live inside of you through those circumstances will determine your outcome. What you allow to reign inside of you through those things will determine the outcome of your life. So insecurities are a major issue because of the power they contain, how they come into the very heart of our lives, the core of our existence and change and try and reshape that which God wants us to be. We've got to break out of some invisible prisons today. We've got to break free because to live like that, we will never fulfill the true purpose that God has for our lives. Philippians 4 verse 13, DJ quoted it earlier. What is it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, when God is my source, nothing is limited in my life. Insecurities tell us different. Insecurities say, you can't do that. Insecurities say, you won't do that. Because insecurities want to rob you from the call and the mandate and that which God has placed upon your lives. So we need to turn off the insecurities so we can turn on God in our lives. Turn off what's wrong 
refuse what's wrong so we can open up our lives and accept what's right. You need a new power source today. Amen. I said, you need a new power source today. You can go to the store and you can look and say, oh, I like that lamp. But you know what? A lamp is not meant to be an ornament. It's not meant to look good. What's the purpose of a lamp? To shine, to give lamp light. But you know what? That light can only look good if it's not connected to the source. Come on, you may think you look good. You may think you're serving God, but you ain't doing nothing for the kingdom if you're not connected to the power. Come on, because God didn't call you to look good. God called you to shine bright so that people could see your life and everything that you are and you can illuminate. Why? Because insecurity wants to disconnect us from the source and suck us Dry, And if we don't take care of those things, they're going to spread like a cancer through our lives. And what began as a thought or a word will ultimately shape and fashion your whole life. Look what the dictionary says about insecurity. It says three things. It says it is the lack of security. So insecurity is the lack of security. Secondly, it's the lack of confidence or being unsure of oneself. Notice how it's attacking me, who I am, that I lack security. Now I have no confidence. And then the third thing is this. It wants me to be fearful and it wants me to be timid. I almost laugh when I read that because you know how insecurity plays itself out too? You know how it plays itself out in fearful and timidity? Sometimes it's the loudest person in the room. Why? Because they're trying to mask their insecurities. They're trying to be seen by because they're trying to master that insecurity, that timidity, those feelings, just that lack, no confidence, no security. We try to mask all those things in so different way. But the result of having those in our life is there's going to be instability in our life. There's going to be an instability. And we've got to watch because there's nothing Satan wants more than to cause us to be inconsistent. Come on, inconsistent. I've realized this, that for most people, Satan has already given up in trying to steal your faith. Come on, Satan doesn't even need to bother to tell me that Jesus is not real. Anyone with me on that? He's just wasting his time with that because no matter what he says, he's never going to turn my heart. He's never going to sway my heart because I know in whom I believe. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that. I trust God. I believe in God. So what does he do? He goes to plan B, which is really his plan A because he knows he can't steal faith. So what does he do? He steals your testimony. Come on, he steals the faith that wants to work inside of your life. He causes an inconsistency so people look and say, oh, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, I thought. And then he causes confusion and doubt. So then what? People won't want to be a part of what we have. You see, that's how the enemy comes in. He wants an instability. He wants insecurity in our lives. Why? Because then he robs our testimony. And takes from us the people that God needs us to be because it's Christ in you. It's Christ in me that the Bible says is the hope of glory. So today I want to look at 10 ways. Are you ready? Get your notepads out. Get your phones out, your tablets out. Come on, put them on airplane mode so no one can bother you. Come on, you don't need to know what's happening in the final four or the match madness, not the final four yet. You don't need to know all your updates that are going to come in your phone and all these people who are liking your Facebook comments. Come on, just shut that off. But take notes and get ready because we're going to hit some things today that you're going to turn around and say, I never even realized that was an insecurity in my life. I never even realized that was an issue that I need to be dealt with. So we're going to look at 10 things. Number one, are you ready? Insecurity brings doubt. 
Insecurity brings doubt. It attacks the core of the person that you are. It brings self-doubt and it brings confusion. If Satan can get you to doubt your God-given ability, then he knows that he's cut off your effectiveness in your life. So what does insecurity do? It fosters self-doubt. It makes you question yourself and what you can do. It makes you ask questions like this. How could I succeed? How can I succeed in life? Why would God want to use someone like me? Maybe the things they've said about me are really true. Notice what is happening. I'm now doubting the person who God wants me to be. And you've got to understand this and you've got to see this because here's what's really happening. We're going to go to a passage of scripture where David faces a giant. He has been called out amongst anyone. No one else would go. And he says, I'm going to go. Here's probably a guy who's about five foot six. He's gone up against a guy who's nine feet tall. He is a big brute of a guy. He is a giant. And David is going towards him. And listen to the conversation that happens between David and the giant. 1 Samuel 17, 41 and 42. So the Philistine came and, and, began, came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore his shield went before him. He was such a bad dude that someone carried his shield for him. And when the Philistine looked about... And then saw David. Can you see him? He's like looking like, who's going to come in? And he's overlooking David because he thinks there's no way. And he's kind of looking about. But then he comes back to David. What did he do? He disdained David. That word means he belittled David. Do you see how insecurity wants to belittle who you are? He belittled him. He disdained him for he was just a youth. He was ruddy and he was good looking. In essence, the giant is saying this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? What do you think you are? How do you think? You're just a little kid. You're just nothing. I mean, am I a dog? He said that you'd come to me with sticks. I'm a man of war. Who do you think that you are? Notice what is happening in the process here. Because if David would have taken those words to heart, he would have been defeated before there was even a battle. You see, insecurity wants you to look at your faults and your failures. And I hate to tell you this, but we all have them. Insecurity wants you to look at yourself. And then in looking at yourself, what does it make you do? It makes you doubt the fact that God could ever use you and could ever do anything with you. So it takes you out of the battle before there's even been a battle. But I like what David does. I like that he turns back to proper perspective because look what David says in verse 45. It's almost like he says, okay, you've shouted your peace. Now let me speak. And David says to him, you come to me with a sword, you come to me with a spear, you come to me with a javelin. Come on, I realize you're a big bad dude, David is saying. I realize that you've got all the goods, you've got everything in place. I understand that. But notice what David says, but I come to you, what? In the name of the Lord of hosts. David didn't say I come to you because I graduated from high school. David didn't say I come to you because I've got a six-figure job. David didn't say, I come to you because I pay my tithes every week. David didn't say, I come to you because I'm the best person. David says, I don't have it all together. And you're right, I am a kid. I am nothing. But let me tell you something. My nothing drastically changes 
when I place it in a something. Come on right now. And it's not about me anyway. It's about the God I serve. And he is the God that's going to defeat you today. Come on, the response of David needs to be our response. Our confidence is not in who we are. Our confidence is through being in Him. Come on, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He is the one that we put our hope in. Colossians 1 verse 27, last part says, it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Come on, when the enemy comes, And he tries to foster doubt inside of who do you think you are. I'm telling you right now, you can only combat that one way. You can only combat that through relationship with Jesus Christ. You got to be in him. You got to know who you are in him. You got to have a confidence in your relationship with him. So then you can stick your chest out and say, listen, it's not about me, but about the God that I serve. And he is more than able to take you down. And by the way, David won that day. He won that day. Because you're going to win every day when Jesus is on your side. Come on, don't let the insecurities cause you to doubt what you can be and who you are in God. Look at this one, number two. Insecurity blocks affirmation. This is a big one here. It stops praise getting through. You don't hear the good things people say, but all you hear is the negative. It puts a negative spin on anything and everything that comes your way. So instead of you hearing someone say you did a good job, you hear, oh, they're just saying I did a good job because they're just trying to be nice because I really stank and I didn't do it right and I didn't do it and they just don't think that, but they're just trying to be kind. Isn't that amazing how that works? And whether we admit it or not, I'm sure every one of us have had, if not constant struggles still with this, that it blocks the affirmation that we don't hear the good, but we only hear that which is negative. It doesn't start with you either, I promise. In fact, it started with two brothers in Genesis, Cain and Abel. They were offering an offering to the Lord and Abel's offering was accepted. He gave a sheep. He gave a lamb. Cain's offering wasn't accepted because he just gave a portion of, and it wasn't what God wanted him to give. And that's not the story today, but the story is this, the response, because the Lord comes to Cain. Look what he says in Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Well, he was angry because God didn't accept his sacrifice. But God now is saying, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Why has your face changed? Why has your shoulders dropped? Why are you looking miserable and depressed? Verse 7, if you do well, one translation says, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do right or you do not do well, sin lies at your door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Yes, Cain, your sacrifice was not accepted that day, but God is clearly not rejecting him. Come on, I said God is clearly not rejecting him, but that's all his insecurities allowed him to hear. You're nothing. You're not accepted. God doesn't love you. It's over. No, no, no. God was giving him another chance. 
God was giving him another opportunity, this time to respond in the right way. And God even showed him this, that sin desires you, but God says you have the ability to rule over those things that you should rule over. God was showing him the person that he could be, but all he could see and all he could hear was not good enough. A rejection. You can't do this. Oh, they don't really want me at that church. They don't really care about me. Come on, they didn't even call me when I wasn't there. No one said good job to me when I did something. No one thanked me for holding the door open for them. No one said, wow, the church sure looks pretty today because you've acted and cleaned. Perhaps that's your insecurities taking charge. Because Cain refused to hear what was good. And he murdered and killed his brother as a result of that. you got to watch. Because it may not be so drastic physically, but how many times are we killing and destroying other people around, those who are trying to help us and those who are trying to bless our life? But all we hear is the rejection and the negative words. you got to watch your insecurities. Number three. Insecurity causes irresponsibility. It's almost like a green light for us to be irresponsible. Our insecurities say, well, it's okay to do that. It refuses to see the responsibilities of our life and it blames other people for the failure to do so. Well, my kids are not good, but it's not my fault. It's everyone else. Listen, if you're a parent... God has given you a responsibility to parent your children, not befriend your children, to parent your children. It's not your teachers, it's not the Sunday school teachers, it's not other people's responsibility, it's yours. But insecurity, you see, passes the blame, doesn't want to take responsibility, lives irresponsible, and then blames everyone else for the outcome of what's happening in their life. Remember we talked about justification earlier. Justification is so massive and also it's very biased and wrong. Why? Because if you are going to compare yourself to people, I'm telling you, you never compare up. You always compare down when it comes to insecurities. Because if I'm looking at someone, how to be a good parent, I'm justifying the fact that at least I'm a better parent than they are. And I'm finding someone that's less than me to make myself look better than what I am. Come on, you've got to watch that. Genesis 3 verse 12 and 13, back to the beginning again. Adam and Eve, they've eaten the fruit. They've been irresponsible. They haven't done what God called them to do. And now they're doing the wrong thing and God is calling from them. And God has asked them a question, what have you done? And look at the man's response. Then the man said, not just to anyone, he said this to God. It was the woman that you gave me. She gave me to eat. Of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God turned to Eve and he said, what is it you have done? And the woman said, it is the serpent who deceived me and I ate. Notice what is happening. Insecurities are causing them to be irresponsible and not taking responsibility for their actions. God is not asking them in ignorance what happened. God knows exactly what happened and he knows everything that happens in you and I's life. God was giving them a chance to come clean, to admit their guilt, but instead, what did they do? They blamed everyone out. And in fact, Adam even blamed God because he said it was the woman you gave me. In other words, everything was great, God, till you interfered. 
and gave me something. But hold on a second. He was just going, wow, man. He was just excited about what God had given him. Come on. But now he's blaming God. Why? Because of his own irresponsibilities. Come on, don't blame other people for that which God has called you to be responsible for. But insecurity will say, oh, that's okay. It will cause you to be irresponsible. Remember in the Bible, Jesus talks about in the New Testament about the talents, the gifts that were given. And it says each was given according to his ability, meaning other people or different people had different abilities. Some was given three, some was given two, some was given one. But it's not the abilities of the people that was at question in this. It was what you were doing with that which you are responsible for. We can look and say, well, I didn't get as much as them or they got more than me. What's up with that favoritism? No, God says, what are you doing with what you have? You see, you've got to start being responsible with what you have because God says, until you can do that, I can't give you any more. If you can't be faithful with the little, how can you want more? You know why people will never get more in their lives? Because they are irresponsible with what they already have. And you've got to watch because your insecurities are going to point the finger at everyone else. And when you point the finger at everyone else, may I remind you that there are three fingers pointing your direction. Come on, there's three fingers pointing back at you and there's one thumb that's pointing at God. So you've got to watch when you're pointing the finger because really you're identifying yourself as the bigger problem. And you're also bringing God into the equation as a problem too. But God's not our problem. He's always our solution. He's only our solution. So you've got to watch. Don't let insecurity close your eyes to the truth. As you're better, and you need to be better, and you need to take responsibility. Number four, insecurity is defensive and unteachable. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Come on, have you ever noticed how people can get defensive when you try to correct them? You ever notice someone's got an unteachable spirit when you try to show them how to do something, they already know how to do it better than you, and it's their first day on the job, and you've been 20 years on the job. They know how to do it better. Why is that? That's insecurities. That's like a a pride barrier. That's an insecurity because I can't let down and let people think I don't know something, and it has an unteachable defensive spirit that goes to it. And you've got to watch those kind of things because guess what? You begin to think in that thought that everyone's against you because why is everyone telling me what to do? Why why is that? We get so defensive and unteachable that we separate ourselves from others. We isolate ourselves and we put ourselves in a vulnerable place because Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and he rages against all wise judgment. You've got to watch that defensive, unteachable spirit. How many are realizing that my insecurities and the issues I'm dealing with are maybe bigger than I once thought they were? I thought insecurities was I just didn't like what I looked at in the mirror. Come on, insecurities affect a whole lot more in our lives than we realize. Because they attack the heart, the core of who we are. You've got to watch a defensive, unteachable spirit because I'm telling you, it's going to result in a defensive, unteachable life. Which will bounce from job to job. Which will bounce from relationship to relationship. That will never succeed in life. You will never be placed in a place of authority if you cannot first come under authority. You need to have a teachable spirit, especially to God. God, show me what. Don't close off to God. Open up your heart to him 
and say, God, what can I learn? What can I understand today? What can I draw from you today? You have got to open up your heart, but insecurity wants to slam it shut and be unteachable and defensive. Is this okay today? Number five, are you ready? Insecurity focuses in on what is safe. What is safe? Insecurity doesn't want you to take a risk because a risk could mean a failure. And insecurity says you can't take any more failures. For some of you, you're so insecure that one more failure would almost destroy your life. Because insecurities have shut down every chance and they're limiting your life. Come on, I said they are limiting your life. It's like the nest syndrome. When I talk about the nest syndrome, I'm talking about the eagles. They build their nests so up high. And from that position, you can look and you can see everything. And you can sit in that nest and feel all comfortable and say, man, life could not be better. But I want you to know something. God did not create you to see the life that you can have. God created you to experience the life that you can have. And you're never going to experience it while you're just sitting there looking from the nest. So what does the eagle do? The eagle kicks its young out of the nest. It throws them out of the nest. And while they're spinning head over tail and flapping frantically, all of a sudden they think life is over and they're going, bad dad, bad mom. Come on, that's the PG version, what they're really thinking in their minds. Come on, bad. And then the mom or dads will swoop down and pick them up and drop them in the nest. Oh, that was a mistake. Mom slipped and there was a problem. Then all of a sudden, boom, oh, it wasn't a mistake and they're falling. But then they suddenly realize something. Now I know what purpose these are for. Come on, I now know these are wings. What are wings made for? To fly and to go into the extremes that God has for your life. Come on, too many of you through your insecurities are just playing it so safe and living in a nest. Come on, you've got to get out and live life. You've got to enjoy life. Because here's the thought, are you ready? If you can do it, you don't need God to do it. Come on, if you can do it, you don't need God. And too many of us are living in what we think we can do instead of throwing ourselves out at the mercy of God. Come on, we've got to start living life in the faith zone and not in the safe zone. Come on, I said we've got to get out of that safety net and start living in that faith zone, trusting God with our lives. I love Peter. You've got to love Peter in the Word of God. I think Peter gets things backwards sometimes in my way of thinking, but really he's got it the right way round. Because if I'm in the middle of a storm, and Jesus is in the water, and I'm in a boat, I'm saying, Jesus, you better get over here quick. Come on, anyone with me on that? Come on, Jesus, you better get here, because my insecurities is holding on to that boat with dear life. But you know what Peter says? Peter said, if that's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you. What? Yeah, get out of that and come to Jesus. Why? Because he realized something. And here's what you and I need to see really quick. Are you ready? He refused to allow what he did see in the natural, the storm, the problems to stop him or to limit him from what he knew spiritually could happen. He knew if he could get to Jesus, everything was going to be okay. Come on, our insecurities want to keep us so locked down, not even trusting Jesus in our lives, and therefore we're limited, we're, 
We're not what we could be. I'm telling you right now, Peter was never the same person again. He already had a big mouth. He was already someone who stepped out. But his life was never the same again. If you've walked on water, I don't think you would ever be the same again. And you can look and say, well, he sunk. But you know what? He walked back into the boat. So maybe he sunk in the middle, but he walked again. And whatever happened in between, let me tell you something. That was a miracle. And as a result of that miracle, I believe he lived life on the edge. When everyone else was playing it safe, there was Peter. Whoop. Come on, where are you in that picture? Are you playing it safe? Oh, I can't do that. What if I fail? What if they don't like me? Oh, I'm not qualified for that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Get qualified. Get a job. Go back to school. Get out of the nest. Stretch your wings. Realize God has great things. Not Refuse to allow your insecurities to keep you bound any longer. Because if you're living life within what you can do, you will never fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Did you hear that? If you are living with what, within what you can do, you will never fully fulfill the purpose of God for your life. I stepped out of what I could do a long time ago. Come on, I said I stepped out a long time. I, I, I've got to walk in faith every day in my life. Come on, I've got to walk in faith in my life because what I'm doing is a lot bigger than me. Come on, I, I've got to flow, throw myself at the mercies of God daily and trust Him for everything He's given. Don't always let your insecurities allow you to take the safe route. Live adventurously. I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians. It talks about you weren't created small. But the smallness you feel is that which you have chosen to accept for you. Come on, we didn't make you small, but you are living in a small way. That's the insecurities. Number six. Insecurity loves the word not. Not. It carries the attachment of not. So I can becomes I cannot. I will becomes I will not. Notice this, the attachment destroys the content. I can now becomes I cannot because of the attachment that destroys the content. Our lives, the content of our lives can be destroyed by the attachment insecurity wants to bring to us. The not. I cannot do those things. I will not do those things. Philippians 4 verse 13 again says, I can do all things doesn't say I cannot do things. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things, but let me liberate you with this. I'm not called to do everything. I can do all things, but God's not called me to do everything. But the things that God has called me to do, he has given me the ability to be able to do those. So if I'm saying, well, I cannot do that, that's my insecurity speaking and not God, because God says you can do those things and you need to do those things. Insecurity will always try to rob your abilities and make you question your worth. Maybe today you don't have what it takes, but what lives inside of you does. Come on, what lives inside of you, God does. In the natural, you may not have it all together, and none of us do, but the God who lives inside of us does. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God And not of us. There's a treasure inside of us that is the excellence of the power of God. You may say, well, that's okay for you. That's good for you, but that's not for me. Listen, the last time I checked, that was for anyone and everyone who lives for God. 
If you believe in the lie that that's not for you, then you're listening to the wrong voice. And you're listening to the one that wants to attach a knot to your life instead of a can do, can be what God wants you to be. Number seven, we're almost done. Number seven, insecurity brings discouragement. Wow, this is a massive one, isn't it? Just we feel so discouraged. Discouragement is what? The opposite to encouragement. There's no encouragement in the insecurities because it seems like everything we do, our insecurities just discourage us. They make us live in despair. They make us feel that we're hopeless and it's helpless. John 10.10 says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's the insecurities. But God says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. To live a victorious life-giving life. Insecurity wants you to be so depressed, so discouraged, so dismayed in your life, so hopeless. God says, no, I come to give you hope. Realize these things. Identify these things. Are they of God? No. Then he's not given it to me, so it doesn't belong for me. Number eight, insecurity replays your past. Anyone know about this? Come on, I want you to keep living in your past. Those things you said, those things you did, the mistakes that you made. Insecurity wants to keep you living there. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14, Paul writes these words. He says, not that I have already obtained. In other words, he's saying, I haven't made it. I haven't made it where I need to be. You know, I'm not perfect. Notice he's saying, I haven't made it and I'm not perfect. I think that's every one of our testimonies. But our testimony needs to read on like Paul. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have made it. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But this one thing I do. What does he say? I forget those things. Come on, say with me, let go. Come on, I let go of those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, so I can press towards the goal. Notice Paul says, this one thing I do. But it's almost like he does three things because he lets go. What else does he do? He moves on and then he presses on. That's three things. No, that's just one because it's like a helium balloon. When you let go of it, what's the first response it does? It shoots up and shoots forward. You see, when we cut the anchors from our life, come on, it's like a catapult. It's going to catapult us into the great thing that God has for us. Come on, your past is an anchor that's robbing you from what God wants to catapult you into your future to be. You've got to let go, but insecurity wants you to keep living there. It wants to keep replaying that video, that DVD, those memories over and over again. But Paul said, this one thing I must do. Come on, this must one thing you must do. You must let your past be your past. And the only way it can be your past is by stepping into your future and moving on beyond that. Remember Judas and Peter? Judas and Peter were disciples of Jesus. In Jesus' hardest time of his life, they were two people that did not stand up for him. Judas betrayed him with what? 30 pieces of silver, sold him out. Peter, what, denied Christ. He cursed and said, I don't even know God. Two people that denied Christ, that turned their back on the time that he needed them the most. But there was a difference. And you know what the difference was? In the way they responded to that. Come on, one refused to look back, Peter. And one couldn't get over the past, Judas. 
And Judas ended up killing himself as he hung himself because he could not be free from the guilt of his past. Come on, you've got to shake free from the guilt of your past. And the last time I checked in the Bible, Peter ended up being one of the most prominent men that we read of in the New Testament. Why? Because, oh, he had a past, but he let go of it so God could give him a future. Insecurity wants you to live in the failures and the mistakes, but God wants you to live in the future. You've got to break the chains of your past. Look at this. Insecurity has its focus on things that cannot be changed. Can you change the past? Anyone in here, can you change the past? No. All you can do to the past is give the past. You can just give it to Jesus and he can change your past. And you know how God changes your past? He leaves it alone and gives you a new present and a new future. Come on, because he's not worried about the past. He takes care of the past so he can give you a new present and he can give you a new future. It's not about what you've done. It's about what you do right now and on. From this day forward, here's your new day. Almost done. Insecurity number nine always compares, doesn't it? Always compares. If only I could look like them. If only I could sing like them. If only I could just carry myself. If only I was as friendly as them. If only I could just be as successful as them. The comparisons, the comparisons, the comparisons. And ultimately, in comparison, what we're saying is, God, you screwed up with me. You messed up with me. You're not a mess up. You're not a screw up. In fact, First Peter 2 verse 9 says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special person. You're God's special people. In other words, you are so special to God. You are so special that when God made you, he broke the mold, not because he made a mistake with the mold, but he realized he couldn't make a better you. He couldn't perfect you. But what does insecurity do? If only I didn't have that nose, if only I could look like this and that, if only I had the muscle and the physique of Pastor P, then everything would be great. (laughs) That's why I wear baggy clothes, so I don't want to show people up, you know. Always wants to compare. Always want. But you know the problem with comparison is this. It never stops. Because there's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be someone brighter in your way of thinking. There's always going to be someone more beautiful. There's always going to be someone this or someone that. And can you see the path that we can fall victim to? We've got to be confident in who we are in God. Maybe there's things we can do to make ourselves look better. I'm not discrediting that. But we've got to first be happy with us because we're not happy because we go to the gym. We're happy and now we can go to the gym. Come on, we're not happy. And then because uh, I'm finding someone else, I'm, I'm finding contentment so then I can find someone else. Because remember this, no one else and nothing else can be your source, only God. But insecurity wants you to compare. It wants to always live, leave you living under the shadow of someone else. Did you catch that? Insecurity wants you to live under the shadow of someone else. There's only one shadow you should live under, and that's the shadow of the cross. Come on, under Christ Jesus. And last but not least, insecurity never will bring growth. It will cause you to live in the red all your life. You're going to be in the negative, spent out, not good all life. And what I've read in God's word is this. God's all about growth and development. He doesn't want to leave us the same. He wants to change us. He wants to develop. He wants to build us. His word even says, he that began a good work in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it. He's all about completing and taking care of and handling and helping and changing your life. 
But what's insecurity back? Destroying any growth and success in your life. Come on, hashtag denial. Insecurities. We've got to isolate them before they'll isolate you. You've got to cut them off before they'll cut you off. I've realized this, what you don't feed will die. Come on, what you don't feed will die. If you give in to those insecurities and you let them rule in your life, you're feeding them and they're going to rule. But if you start realizing who you are in Christ Jesus and you start cutting them off and you don't feed them any longer, they're going to die. But whatever monster you feed, it's going to reign in your life. And I hope today that we've exposed not only the lies that they are, but we've also given you what God's word says that you are so you can counteract those things. That you can be victorious and realize those things don't belong in my life. When I have those thoughts and those feelings come in, I've got to line them up and say, is that what God's given me? Is that what God thinks? And if I can say no, 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 then I can't allow those things to rule in my life. Come on, I can't allow insecurities to rule in a life where God wants me to be secure and complete in Him. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.